as we think of the news given by the angels and the names that are given to this one that is to be born to Mary, we want to consider the angelic announcement made to Mary. Think of Mary. She was a young peasant girl, probably most likely in her teens, and she has this angel appear unto her, and she, like the shepherds, was startled at all of this, and then especially startled by the words that the angel would give to her, that she would be the one who would bear this child who was the long-awaited, promised Savior and seed of Abraham and seed of David, she would be the woman to give birth to this child. And it will be in the way in which Isaiah spoke about, a virgin will conceive. And this is the miracle of the virgin birth, that it would not be her husband-to-be, Joseph, that would father this child, but she would conceive by the Holy Spirit. This is the great miracle of the virgin birth of the Son of God. And as the angel is speaking with this young lady, he tells her the names that are to be given to him. In verse 31 of Luke 1, it is there that she shall call his name Jesus, you behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is the personal name that is attributed to Jesus, what his mom and dad would call him. It was his personal name, and it is a name that means Jehovah saves, or salvation is of the Lord. It's the same name as Joshua. And so Mary is told, You're not going to name this baby, but I'm giving you the name for him, and his name is to be called Jesus. Later, uh, the angel will come to Joseph and tell him the same thing. This name is Jesus, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. So this is the name that is given to Mary. Name him Jesus. The second title and the second name is given is in verse 32, that he shall be called the Son of the highest, or the most high. When we think about the Supreme Court, this is the highest court in our land. There is no other court. And there is this name that is used of God, that he is the most high God. There is no one who is greater. It is God that is the most high God. This term is used In Genesis 14, when Melchizedek is coming to Abraham, and uh, it says that Melchizedek was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham, and he said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High. So he is the Most High God. He is the possessor of heaven and earth. He's exalted above all else, all other dignitaries, all other powers and authorities. He is the Most High, and he is exalted in heaven. Psalm 47.2 says, For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. And that term from the Old Testament is now applied to this baby that is to be born to Mary. He is 
the Son of the Most High, the highest one. Now, the word son here is not the idea of origin, but it is the idea of likeness, as we see in the New Testament, that he is like the Most High. He is the Most High. He has all the characteristics of his father, who is the Most High, and he himself will have this title. He is the Most High. When Jesus was about to cast out demons out of a man, who had been plagued by these demons, they cried out, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? So here is this baby that is born to Mary. His name is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the incarnate God Most High in our midst. And this is the hope in our fallen world. This baby who is born, who is the son of the Most High. And this is where we find a place of shelter, isn't it? Listen to these words from Psalm 91 and think of them as they are applied to Yahweh there in the Old Testament, but also applied to the son of Yahweh, the son of God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of The Almighty. What a beautiful picture is given to us here. And so it is with Christ. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty because you have made the Lord who, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. It's a place we find shelter, isn't it? Under the wing of He who is the Most High. Jesus said, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is the Most High. He speaks with authority and power. And then the term is given to him also that he is the Son of God in verse 35. Again, it does not speak of origin, but it speaks about equality. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. So here is again Jesus Christ, who is referred to as the Son of God. And this is the way even his enemies understood Jesus when he said he and his father with one were one. They took up stones to stone him because he because he made himself equal with God. He is Almighty God Himself. Hebrews one three says, In these last days. God has spoken to us in his Son, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I love this hymn. It's my favorite, as you all know. Hark the herald angels sing. Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ, the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail, incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Here is hope for us, is it not? The one that we have come to trust in, to know as our mighty Savior, is the one who is the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. 
And then the angel comes to Joseph and explains to him the situation that was troubling to him that this wife that he was, this woman that he was engaged to is found to be with a child. And the angel comes to make the announcement, don't worry, take her to be your wife. She's not been unfaithful to you. She is conceived of the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear this child and you're going to become the father and you are called to name him. And so we read in, in uh, Matthew 1.21, there it tells us that as the angel spoke to Joseph, you name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. This is one of my favorite texts for, for, for the Christmas story. And it's kind of the gospel and it's the Christmas message all in a nutshell in one verse. Call him Jesus a savior, a deliverer, salvation of the Lord, and he will save. And in what way does he save? He will save his people from their sins. We recognize we have a sin problem, don't we? We have fallen in Adam. We have all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. Here's the announcement. Name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. That's our greatest need, isn't it? We can't fix our sin problem, but this one can. And we note here again the certainty of this. He will do this. He will save his people from their sins. He will not fail. This Christ that we worship today, that we exalt and we give praise to, will not fail in the mission the Father has given to him. He has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's come to save those that the Father has given to him. And none, he will, he will lose none of them. And how does he do this? It's by the laying down of his own life. In Colossians 1, we read, And you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and, um, and blameless and above reproach in his sight. This is the good news of Christmas. He was born to die, not for anything that he had done, but in our place for our sin. And the good news of the gospel is this. Look to this one and you will find life in him. Put your trust in this savior. He saves to the uttermost. So we rejoice in this hope that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty that we might be made rich. Herein is a name in which we find, again, great hope this Christmas.